Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. This is WTOC Sports Director Jake Wallace coming to you on a couple days after National Signing Day and we'll do a little bit of reaction here for some teams of interest who had an interesting National Signing Day to say the least. First off, just to, to all the high school student-athletes around this area, and there were a ton of them that signed on Wednesday, whether it be national letters of intent, whether it be preferred walk-on deals, uh, congratulations. It's it's just a major life event for all of you, all the hard work that you've put in, all the hours you've sacrificed over the years to get to this point have finally paid off with a chance to play at the next level. And it's something only a small percentage of athletes can ever say they did. So hats off to all of you. Uh, from the Coastal Empire to the Low Country, all around the 912 and the 843, congratulations to everyone. It seems like most of you signed with the Savannah State Tigers. There were very few signing day ceremonies we went to on the w- as the WTOC sports team where it didn't, where you couldn't find a Savannah State hat being put on. The Tigers signing thir- 31 players. In their class of 2020, 16 of them from around our area. It's really unbelievable. It's one of the things that Sean Quinn said he was going to do when he took over as the head coach of the Savannah State program was recruit right here in the area, and he did. I'm looking at the roster right now, and you can just go down at Blackshear, Blackshear, Savannah, Hinesville, Richmond Hill, Claxton, Statesboro, Waycross, Hinesville, Hinesville, Guyton, Savannah, Cleo, Savannah, Waycross, Savannah, just all the way down the list, kids from all over the Coastal Empire and the Metro Savannah area, whatever you want to call it, Uh, Sean Quinn and his staff really hitting hard at home, getting some kids that, that want to play football here and want to take Savannah State to the next level, obviously a Really good first season under Sean Quinn, the the first winning season since 1998 for the Tigers. That'll help you in a lot of ways recruiting. But these kids told me they they like the direction of the program. Now they want to be the ones that take it to the next level. I was talking to talking to Anthony Thomas over in New Hampstead, a wide receiver who signed with the Tigers on Wednesday. He was telling me that a lot of these kids they all have a group chat together, and for the last two months or so they've been talking about all the things they want to do at Savannah State, all the things they want to accomplish. And for this Tiger team, they they see an SIAC championship in their future. They see a Division II playoff run in their future. And they've got a lot of talent on this team. Kids that we saw uh, every Friday night on the end zone. Kids on teams that made deep playoff runs. And they were a big part of those runs. And so... Uh, Quinn and his staff, hats off to him uh, for going out and, and hitting these local high schools hard, finding the the athletes that can contribute and, and keeping them close to home. That's not always the easiest task when you're trying to find uh, college football players to stay close to home. Savannah State did it. They, they bring in a, a big-time local haul. It's going to be fun to watch a lot of these kids play at the Marsh over the next four years. As Savannah State, it would appear, would be continuing their ascent up the ranks of the SIAC. Here's what head coach Sean Quinn had to say about the new signing class after hauling in 31 new Tigers. A lot of Georgia guys you see there. A lot of guys in the 912. We talked about 912 takeover, having fun with that. 
we just had a really good group of local players we were able to recruit. And uh, probably the most, most angst I have is a couple of local guys we didn't get, but uh, signed a lot of really good football players and guys that were excited to be here. So thought process on this thing was draw a big circle around Savannah within two hours and find guys that can help us win. And uh, we tried to do that. You know, I had to go outside that footprint a little bit, but uh, definitely North Florida has been good to us. It was a little bit down this year. But to get guys from the Ware counties, the Wayne, you know, the Waycross, that area, all the way up into Atlanta and over into central Georgia and then over into South Carolina, that was, you know, a credit to our guys. Over in Statesboro, it was a little more muted of a national signing day. The Eagles did most of their work uh, during the early signing period. Of course, early signing day actually right smack dab in the middle of bowl week for the Eagles. I remember being down in Orlando doing an interview with head coach Chad Lunsford as he talked about the early signing day class uh, in, the ho in the team hotel. So uh, did a lot of work then, only signing four players on Wednesday, but uh, some talented kids and a little bit of a maybe a look ahead at what's coming for the Eagle offenses. They had two more quarterbacks to their room Alex Bowen, a six-foot quarterback from Baker County High School, and Connor Sejelski, a six-foot quarterback out of the Marist School in Atlanta. That makes three quarterback signees for the Eagles in this 2020 class. Of course, Shy Words going into his senior year. Justin Tomlin still in the quarterback room, and former Liberty County Panther Jalen Frazier in the transfer portal. So uh, the Eagles having to do a little bit of restocking of uh, their quarterback depth chart and certainly did it uh, during the two signing periods here. Now you look at both of these quarterbacks. Sajelski ran an option offense at, at um, Marist, uh, threw for over 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns, ran 200 times for 1,400 yards and 23 touchdowns. So very much a dual threat quarterback and uh, the same can be said for Alex Bowen uh, from down there just outside of Jacksonville. The, the, the stud in this class, or the one that I'm sure all these kids are great, but the, the one that everyone's really talking about in this one, this is Jalen White, the running back out of Daleville High School in Alabama. <clears throat> uh, White was the guy they kind of waited on. We were supposed to have an earlier uh, press conference with head coach Chad Lunsford, got pushed back as they waited to see if White was going to commit and sign with the Eagles, and of course he did. And let me just read you some of these stats, and, and these are real. These are from real, actual, real-life football games, not video games, not bad, nothing. Jalen White, senior year, 2019 at Daleville High School in Alabama, played just 11 games, rushed for 3,517 yards. That's an Alabama state record. I'm not good at math. I am no mathematician. It's why I'm in the job I'm in. But that's an average of 319.7 rushing yards a game. That's pretty good. Also set a state single-game scoring record with eight touchdowns in the first half against Barber County. Also had a seven-touchdown performance in another game. In all, he scored 48 touchdowns rushing, added 14 two-point conversions as a senior. You, you think about just those numbers and, and like I said a state rushing record for the year in a state that had a guy named Bo Jackson play high school football there this kid can play six foot 205 pound running back and you think about what he could do in in an option offense as Georgia Southern looks to continue to beef up their running back stable 
with guys like J.D. King and Wesley Kennedy, I'm, I'm not going to come out here and say that you know Jalen White's going to be the next superstar, but when you look at production like that in high school, you look at his size, you look at how excited this uh, Eagle football staff was to add him, you can imagine big things in the future for a guy like Jalen White. The Eagles also adding Marcus Watson Trent uh, to the roster. He's an inside linebacker from Black Hawk High School, great name, in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, uh, was a second-team All-State selection his senior year. So Southern really loaded up on this class, and one of the things that, that Coach Lunsford had to say that you usually hear this all the time is they added guys that fit their culture and, and Lunsford's been big on the Georgia Southern man and, and what Georgia Southern football and what that program is off the field. And as much as he, he preaches that and he, and he talks about it, you rarely can talk to him without hearing the phrase Georgia Southern man, you know, he's not going to go and get kids. He doesn't believe fit that mold. And so only four kids in this late signing day class, but a, a pretty good class uh, for Southern all around. Um, standout running back Jalen White, definitely the, the diamond of this class, I think we have to say. Here's what Lunsford said Wednesday night. Overall, I think this is a really, really good class. Uh, I think we've put two good classes uh, back to back, um, you know, as far as what we're trying to build with our program, uh, finding the right, the right people, good players on the field, good students, good character, uh, and really build, building a great foundation. As for the Georgia Bulldogs, they had another good recruiting day. What's new? The Dogs have the top-rated signing class, according to rivals, for the third straight year. Georgia finishing out strong on Wednesday, adding a couple of top offensive linemen, and, and stealing a few recruits from some other SEC rivals as well. Uh, for more on the dogs, we're going to go to an expert. That would be Brooks Austin with SI's Bulldog Maven. Spoke with him a little bit earlier about some of these guys that George has brought in, some of the hires that helped make it happen, and how Kirby continues to bring top talent to Athens. Here's that interview with SI Bulldog Maven, Brooks Austin. All right, as we talk, Continue to talk about the Bulldogs on another top recruiting class, joined by Brooks Austin of SI Bulldog Maven. Maven, you can find his work on Twitter, at Brooks Austin SI. Brooks, I know it's a busy time. Thank you for spending a little of it with us. What about this signing class is so impressive to you? So, I mean, most of the work was done, obviously, in the early signing window, right? You had 19 signees send their letter of intent earlier back in December, and then six you know, yesterday or Wednesday during the second signing period. But to me, man, obviously most people are going to be talking about the number one overall class and how impressive that is. But you look at what the, the work that Kirby Smart did in-state with some of the preferred walk-ons, nine preferred walk-ons from the state of Georgia, three of which in that ten that are going to be preferred walk-ons and, you know, not count towards the scholarship count at Georgia. Two of them are three-star recruits that were formerly committed to schools like Colorado and Colorado State. So Kirby not only going out and getting the nation's top class, but I think you can absolutely argue and win that argument that he also brought in the nation's top preferred walk-on class as well. So to me, that mostly stood out. Obviously, everyone's going to talk about, like I said, the five stars and all that good stuff that they brought in and the national brand that Georgia is at this point, but they're still winning in-state with preferred walk-ons as well. You mentioned a little bit of it, how much this February National Signing Day has changed with the, the 
establishment of the early signing period. It feels like this one in February is now kind of how you close out your class and put a little period on it. How is how have Kirby and the dogs been so good at finishing? Because this is not the first time they've done this. Yeah, so it's finishing with flips a lot, right? I mean, going out and getting guys like Darren Branch to commit to flip on National Signing Day. They did it last year with George Pickens as well, flipping him from Auburn. So, you know, doing it with flips late in the National Signing Day uh, and finishing it off strong. But most of the work, and Kirby alluded to it in his press conference yesterday, or Wednesday, excuse me, I keep calling yesterday Wednesday. Uh, But anyways, he alluded to it in his press conference that most of the work in these classes is done years in advance. Some of these guys get contacts from Georgia, you know, even as early as their freshman year. Dejon Edwards got his first offer from Dale McGee as a freshman in high school at Colquitt County. So a lot of the work's done very, very early in these classes. And it's one thing that Georgia's best about, and that's why they're so good at recruiting. It never stops. You talked about it. They never take a day off from recruiting. Even if you go back, Jake, I know you were at the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. If you remember, they're in pregame. There isn't a single assistant, grad assistant, coach, or whatnot that doesn't spend the entire pregame session on the phone talking to recruits. So it is a constant cycle for these guys. They work at it year-round, and they're the nation's best at it, honestly. So Sam Pittman goes to Arkansas 10 days before early signing day, and here we are two months later, and Georgia still signs the two top tackles in the class and the top center. How crucial was the hire of Matt Luke to making this class the number one in the country? Yeah, you talk about it, right? I mean, I don't even think it was 10 days from the early National Signing Day window. It might have been close to two weeks, but, you know, within 48 hours, Kirby Smart goes out and replaces Sam Pittman with the best potential candidate at that position group in Matt Luke. And, again, under 48 hours goes and does that. So a lot of that, you know, closing the gap prior to, you know, one thing about National Signing Day is after that first period, man, it's a dead period. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they had that 48 hours of of time lapse between – Pittman and Luke, but once Luke got on campus, he really only had five or six days to reach out to these guys prior to early National Signing Day, seal the deal with a guy like Tate Ratledge, and then spend, you know, December uh, throughout the dead period kind of waiting out Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Pran. And then as soon as the window opened up for communication, you can bet money that Matt Luke was on the phone calling those guys and building a relationship and doing it quickly. And look, this is a high energy guy. Um, you're not, you're not going to find a coach with more energy levels than Matt Luke, and he's very, very likable as well. So you're not going to find very many bad character witnesses for the former Ole Miss head coach. Yeah, the offensive line of Georgia has been deep for years, and it looks like it's going to stay that way. So a lot of top-name guys in this class. Who's the guy you see on this signee roster that's maybe getting a little overlooked, but it's going to be a major contributor? Oh, that's a tough question. And honestly, the one I haven't been asked. Uh, I've been asked who's a guy that's going to start early, who's a guy that's going to, you know, maybe been overlooked completely, like a guy like Lad McConkey, but everyone's talking about that one. How about a guy like Nazir Stackhouse, right, mm-hmm. out of Columbia High School there in DeKalb County, Georgia, uh, maybe not going to get playing time early at the University of Georgia, but has been one of the more vocal commits in this class, and I think the potential for a really high ceiling is there for stacks. So we'll see if he can develop a guy that's going to have to get, you know, a little bit more explosive and obviously get stronger to hold down the three technique position there at Georgia. But they want him to play more of that Tyler Clark role, uh, you know, early or later on in his career. So maybe not immediately you're going to be hearing Nazir Stackhouse's name. But, you know, in a couple of years you'll look back and you'll say, wow, Stack was a great addition to that 2020 class. 
Brooks, appreciate the time. Once again, Brooks Austin, SI's Bulldog Maven, joining us for some some dog talk. You can find his work on Twitter, at Brooks Austin SI. Appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight, Brooks. Have a good one. No doubt, Jake. You as well. So now for these schools, the, the, the fax machines can be turned off. The, the NLIs are in. Now it's about turning these signees into the, the prospects and the players that they want them to be. And, and for a lot of these guys, it's going to be a three-, four-year process. Uh, one of the, the best things about signing day every year is being able to look back in, in two or three years and seeing how it all unfolded. We'll certainly be doing that over the next few years, not just with Savannah State, Georgia, and Georgia Southern, but with all of our players from uh, the Low Country and the Coastal Empire. How did it pan out? How did it work? Were they the right fit? You can certainly imagine a ton of success coming for all the local standout student-athletes here in the Low Country and the Coastal Empire. That's going to do it for this edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. I'm Jake Wallace. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you later.